Welcome to the Glasgow Museum's podcast. In this episode, we are celebrating the Young People's Art Competition, which has been running at Glasgow Museums for a staggering 119 years. Enjoy a behind-the-scenes view of this as we hear from Glasgow Museum's Curator of Decorative Arts and Design from 1800, Alison Brown, in conversation with Carolyn Foran, Glasgow Museum's Education Officer, and Anne Wallace, Retired Education Officer. Glasgow Museum's Drawing Competition for Children has been an important annual fixture in the educational calendars for almost 12 decades. The competition is woven into the fabric of Glasgow's education programmes. It was devised in 1904 as an educational partnership between those leading art instruction in the city to bring school children closer to the wonders of the rich collections in the New City Museums, the People's Palace and Kelvin Grove Art Gallery Museum, and uh, to take the children out to visit the nature in the city's parks so that children may develop their skills and learn about the world through the act of close observation and drawing. Organised with the passion and dedication of museum staff and teachers, it is remarkable to note that the competition has only been prevented from taking place three times over its first 119 years. In 1942, during World War II, after Kelvin Grove Art Gallery Museum experienced bomb damage, and in 2020 and 2021 due to the COVID pandemic. I'm Alison Brown, Curator of European Decorative Arts and Design from 1800, and I'm delighted to be joined by two of Glasgow Museum's school's education officers, uh, wonderful colleagues who between them have had the exhilarating job of running the competition for the last 25 years. Anne Wallace, who drove the competition from the early 2000s and led in it on its centenary year in 2004, and our current officer, Carolyn Foran, who took the reins from Anne some eight years ago. So Anne and Carolyn, the Young People's Art Competition here at Glasgow Museums is celebrating its 119th year. Can you tell us a little more about the competition? Yes, the competition is quite unique compared to other drawing competitions in that children are encouraged to come into one of our museum venues to paint or draw. So the idea is that they're drawing in situ the things that they can see on display or they can also draw the architecture of the buildings themselves. The competition opens up usually around about February each year and runs through until the end of May, before judging takes place in June. Age-wise, we open up to three to 18-year-olds, so children who are in nursery right through until six year of high school can take part. Kelvin Grove does always tend to be the most popular venue, just due to the variety of things on display within this museum. So right at the beginning of its history, the competition quickly moved from being solely in the museums to partnering with the city parks expanding from drawing interesting and beautiful museum objects to nature study. And during World War II, it partnered with the Glasgow Institute of Fine Arts, adding an art appreciation category and imaginative work categories. So it's really changed over the years. Uh, can you tell us more about how it's evolved and remained so popular? I think something Anne and I were just chatting about earlier that makes it unique is the fact that it's um, in situ within these museums. And we've got such an amazing collection in our city of Glasgow and such wonderful buildings as well. If you take somewhere like Kelvin Grove or Riverside Museum, so there's an awful lot to inspire uh, children when they come out to visit. And we know that so many people we meet nowadays remember coming out to the museum as a child and taking part and say, oh, I remember taking part and it was a great day out. Not just for the children, but the teachers as well. There's something special about coming out of the classroom and coming out to the museums and seeing your children engaged in drawing and really exploring their creativity. I don't know, Anne, what do you feel in terms of what makes it special? And, and, and Well, again, I think it is that uniqueness of having to come here. We know now 
that lots of other New Zealand media gatherings all, all over the UK do similar competitions, but a lot of it's uh, online. So that vital part to me of coming out, and for, remember for a lot of young people, this might be their first visit to a museum, and that is the opportunity they're given. And we can actually see in their faces sometimes when they come in, you know, the, the actual scale of the building. It's not just about the artworks and the objects, it's about the actual building itself and the kind of wow factor of that. And I think the other thing that I really liked about it was how much the public enjoyed seeing people, young people drawing and engaging with the objects. You quite often get little groups gathered around watching them, didn't you? Mm -hmm. yeah. So there were lots of elements that you could say, say, well, it's just a competition, but it wasn't really just a competition. It was really important for so many reasons. And even for some of the teachers, I think it reminded them of what a rich source uh, Glasgow Museums were and perhaps would encourage them to come back again. Yeah. And, and something that's nice is that the children choose what they're going to draw. Whereas when you're at school, it might be the teacher says, today we're going to do portraiture or we're going to do landscapes. It's very much prescribed by the teacher what you're going to draw. When they come to the museum, it's the child who chooses what they want to draw and they can choose something that catches their eye, that makes, that, that gets them excited. And so that's what's quite unique again, that they're also left quite independent to go around the museum. Even the young ones go off on their own, they find a wee spot, they sit on the floor or they sit in their chair and they draw something that catches their eyes. So it's really very much child-led. And again, that's something that's very important now within education is that children get that choice and that personalisation about what they want to paint or draw. In the past, you had to take part through your school and schools would book to come along to the competition. So really, it was only children whose teachers had made that decision to take part who could come along. Whereas around about 10 years ago, it was changed and now you can take part as an individual coming in with your family at the weekend or during the holidays so that you can take part through that route rather than just taking part through your school. And, and just in terms of the kind of things that the children choose when they come here, we were just discussing how the same things quite often crop up. There are things that are very popular, Carolyn, what's the most popular? I think in recent yeah. years, well, we always get Sir Roger the Elephant, you know, there's always a lot. <laughs> he of he always makes an appearance. Yes, um, a lot of the natural history generally is popular. Um, at Kelvin Grove Museum, the, the, the floating heads that are above our East Court Gallery, they feature quite popular. Um, and again, I don't know, I'm Mas masks. masks, things like that. It's and sometimes it's surprising the things that they might choose, things that are quite complicated. The building itself is featured with older pupils, hasn't it? Yeah, um, quite the de detail of the architecture and things like that. Yeah, so even it's not limited to objects, the, the, the organ, you know, in the centre hall of Kelvin Grove, again, these stunning, intricate, detailed drawings of the architecture are, are, are quite popular too. Mm -hmm. And do the children have to be, uh, it's now opened up beyond schools to young people, do the children have to be based in Glasgow? No, they can take part from, from anywhere. Certainly the schools who take part tend to be around the kind of greater Glasgow area, but because we've opened it up to families now, we have people who are visiting over the holidays or um, at weekends. And for example, last year, we had somebody from Preston who took part in one and they came all the way up from Preston <laughs> to the prize giving in September, which was lovely. And, you know, they made a family trip and, and they were so excited and delighted to come up to the prize giving. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. It must be a really gorgeous evening, the prize giving. The yeah, thrill that, of going through that's the That's the icing and the cake. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge, <laughs> it is a lot of work. Um, in terms of well, judging for a start, we can talk about it a little more. But um, 
each winner has a, a special medal um, which is inscribed and it's something that they'll really, I can imagine them finding it when they're really old and saying, you know, it's, it's quite special, isn't it? And the children and the families really feel that and I think it's, and then there's catering, they get lots of nice food as well. So it's, it really is a very special evening, it's icing on the cake. Um, so who organises the competition? <laughs> uh, how, do, how, do you, how do you decide? I mean, how many entries do you get? How do you decide on the winning entries? Who decides? We probably get oh, well over a thousand entries. We gave up trying to count them last year, um, but we, we will get well over a thousand entries. There was probably about 33 schools that took part last year, uh, and they might bring anything between about 30 and 60 children with them, and then there's all the individuals who take part too. They, Entries are then all sorted into age categories. So we judge within age categories in the nursery, lower primary, upper primary, and then lower secondary and upper secondary. So once we get all the artworks submitted, we sort them into the categories and then it's judging day, which is a big special day, usually around about the start of June. And we usually have between two and three judges who take part and do the judging of all the artworks. We usually have someone with maybe a background in education or museums or learning, and we usually have somebody, a, a contemporary artist as well, to do the judging. Um, and Anne's certainly got some quite memorable stories of some previous judges who yes. have taken part. I mean, um, sometimes it would be, we worked a lot with artists in the museums and workshops and things, so sometimes it might be an artist we'd worked with, or sometimes it might just be somebody you'd read about and you might contact them. Um, and most of the people, the artists we've got in touch with, were really enthusiastic about um, judging. Although it's actually quite a big commitment because it takes a full day. I mean, if you look at the number of entries and the categories and everything, it, it's quite a lot of work. With all this judging, thousands of artworks, you must have some lovely behind the scenes stories to tell. Yes, um, a lot of the judge, many of the judges who were artists worked with us in workshops and one of the things they always spoke about was actually entering the competition as children themselves. Some of them were very miffed that they hadn't actually won anything um, and kind of went off about it. But, but I mean, it was never a problem getting judges. There were always a lot of enthusiasm about being a judge and they'd only been part of history. The judges had very different ideas of who they thought should win. And sometimes it caused a bit of dissent. And sometimes they could spend a long time over one painting. There were, I remember in particular, Stephen Campbell, um, a very, very famous graduate from Glasgow School of Art, a very successful artist, and Barry Atherton, who was a senior lecture, lecturer at the art school, were judging together. And they knew each other, but they had very different views on what they thought should win prizes in this. And Barry was quite a traditional artist and the things he was going for were really detailed and beautiful. Whereas Stephen was going for much more expressive work, which perhaps wasn't so obvious, but they could spend a long time over one work discussing the merits of it and deciding whether it was worthy of a medal, which to me was really fantastic. Sometimes I, I really did think of filming these discussions and letting you know, the teachers and the children see how much thought went into this. It wasn't just a case of, oh, we'll take that one, we'll take that one. So it was a very serious job, the judging. And I think some of them, and I always remember the judges also being very excited to meet winners in the night and find out uh, find out who was behind the work. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just a sort of straightforward judging thing. It was much more than that, I think. 
Yeah, I, th I think I agree in terms of the judges being excited by young people's work and seeing talent and future talent coming through and very much that idea of when you meet them on the night and they can put a face to a picture that, yeah. that maybe has meant something to them or that they were particularly attracted to. I heard they wanted to buy one once. Yeah. When they get <laughs> and uh, even a recent example, uh, Marion Garvin, an artist and teacher who judged just a few years ago and she herself had won a medal at the competition when she was a young girl at school and she brought along her medal to the prize giving to show the children that she too had won so you've got kind of full circle mm -hmm. history mm -hmm. there of somebody becoming an artist and a teacher and you know they won when they were a child and um, also even recently Lachlan Gowdy the artist was in the museum and he was doing a program for the BBC and in that program for BBC, he was talking about taking part in the art competition and how special it was for him. And once again, he won a medal and he's become, you know, gone on to become a really successful artist. So it does, I think, inspire people to enjoy art and to continue their art and, and to take it well, seriously as well, you know, do a really high quality art. So we know it has a very much a lasting impression. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, um, I really feel that from, I've done research looking through our archives and our press cuttings um, books, the enthusiasm really comes through uh, looking through our old press cuttings books in the museum's archive and particularly post-World War II, the Evening Times would come in and photograph the competition uh, every year, um, either of the children drawing in the, um, in the museums in Kelvin Grove or of the actual prize giving night and just the enthusiasm and the happiness on the children's faces um, of the participation. It's just, it was just absolutely wonderful. And also looking through those, it's a wonderful um, uh, opportunity to just see how our museums have changed over times as well. You know, uh, you, get, you, get, you get a glimpse for how, um, how our displays have changed. But the photos in our archive, actually from the 70s, there's some that show the floor of Kelvin Grove Gallery laid out with nothing but drawings of entrance and judges with the assistance of museum technicians uh, then um, uh, in their brown coats, um, dust jacket coats, uh, stepping amongst the works as they select their favourites. <laughs> and is it still like that now? Do you take yeah. over galleries? <laughs> yeah, we take over. In fact, I've booked for this year three rooms to do the judging in. So yeah, we still lay them out on the floor or put them on the walls. Uh, we do them in kind of like phases, so we'll say, right, this is all the nursery ones, and we lay them out. Um, Anne has already very kindly this morning offered to come back in and help out on judging day. Oh, that's uh, it, So I'm going to hold her to that one. Um, but yeah, no, it's the exact same process, and it's just a case of laying them all out, judging them, then getting them all um, put away again. It's probably a lot more work now because we're not only dealing with schools. In the past, we would deal with schools and deal with one teacher on behalf of a number of winners, whereas now because families can take part, we're dealing with you know individual parents as well. So it's probably a bit more work now than, than it used to be. I'm sure it is. Mm -hmm. And how many prize winners are there? Are there special categories? Yeah, so we give out medals. So the there's gold, silver and bronze medals across each of the age categories, amounting in around about between 50 and 60 medals altogether. There's also commended and highly commended certificates, which is um, get handed out to those who have caught the judge's eye. So the Hunnaman Award, that's for Dr. Tom Hunnaman. Who was he? 
So Dr. Tom Honeyman um, was the Inspirational Modernising Director of Art Galleries between 1939 and 1954. He's probably best known for being um, the director who purchased uh, the famous Salvador Dali Christ of St John and the Cross. Um, and he was responsible for the rethink and reboot of the school's annual art competition. He was actually way, way ahead of his time in lots of aspects of the work he did. But I'm sure his family were all delighted when we when were still given the prize, obviously. And his family are always really involved in um, everything we do here. So, yes, it's, it's, it's lovely to have him still involved in names. That's lovely. That's a lovely legacy that his his here that, that an award is set up in his name. And Anne McLean was another of the mm. uh, award. Uh, what was Anne's title? Within the Friends of Glasgow Museums who support the competition. She was the children's convener. Convener, yes. And Robert Robert Logan was also another significant um, member of the Friends of Glasgow Museums. And we still have a partnership with the Friends of Glasgow Museums. They support the competition financially. And that really allows us to make the competition as special as it is. Without Fogham support, we wouldn't be able to offer the, the medals or host such a special prize giving. So we really do appreciate that Fogham have had that continued involvement with the competition over the years. Um, they also usually come along, some of the members come along to the prize giving on the night. And even one of their, their previous members even has helped out with the, with the prize giving as well. That's wonderful. And so the, the the competition is judged. What um what happens to the young people's artwork after after judging? Well, the winning artworks, the medal winners' artworks, are retained by the museum and they are made into a display, which goes up on display on the night of the prize giving, usually around about late September, and they stay on display through until the start of November. So that's around about fifty sixty medal winners artworks which go on display in the museum and I think again that's quite special I say to the young people you're getting your artwork on display in the Kelvin Grove Museum a lot of artists would love that opportunity to have their works on display the other uh, winners the, the highly commended and commended winners artworks get posted back to the young people along with a certificate unfortunately due to the sheer volume of entries we can't return non-winning artworks from individuals because we have you know well over a thousand of these and we would need to be posting them out <laughs> all over so we do now say that if you are taking part please be aware that we can't return non-winning artworks. I think it's wonderful that the the winners get that opportunity to display in Kelvin Grove and it actually goes back to another um, uh, um, very nice quote by Dr Tom Honeyman um, when he was speaking about the museum service because he actually believes that exhibiting is good for adults as well, not just for the young people to have their work exhibited, because he believed that exhibiting children's artwork was important for grown-ups to experience. The viewing of that work allowed them to remember what it was like to be a child again mm -hmm. and sort of take them back to good memories and, and, um, uh, and then they share and enjoy their experiences, perhaps wish they were young again, which I think is... Is 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 a, is lovely that we're continuing that uh, that those opportunities um, and that idea forward. So, do you have to be good at drawing to enter the competition? No. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I mean, I think that would what we would. Karen and I were talking earlier about how some teachers have ideas in their head about who are the good artists in the class. And sometimes they'll actually point them out to you when they're coming along for a workshop or one of these good people, you know. 
which is a bit of a shame because I think the approach we always take with art is art is for enjoyment, the process of it, you know, it's not just about the, the results and about winning prizes. So, um, no, but having said that, there are some, obviously some fantastic works in the competition, but there are also some surprises. There are children who come along who maybe weren't all that interested in painting or drawing, but they suddenly produce something that surprises everyone. And there was an example of that um, when I was here of a, a painting, and it was actually at first we didn't know what it was. Um, usually you can identify right away if it's Roger the Elephant or a mask, but this was a strange black floating figure, which really captured the imagination of one of our judges. And I'm, try I'm trying to remember the name of that. He was a contemporary artist, and he was raving about this picture. He was absolutely raving about it. I think actually that was the one that he wanted to buy. And finally persuaded the other judge that this, this should win the honeymoon prize. You know, best of show. So um, that happened. The school were astonished. The family were astonished. And this young boy came along, as you can imagine, absolutely delighted um, that he had won this special prize. I often wonder what happened to that. It's maybe in some gallery somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, it's it's what is good. What what is good? It's it's very subjective. But the point the point is for us, it's not about being good. It's about taking part and all the things we've spoken about earlier about coming to the building, but enjoying every other aspect of it. And if you win something, it's a bonus. Yeah, <laughs> and I think having we've always had such a good variety of judges and I think that variety is important because each judge is looking for something a bit different so it means that something mm -hmm. will catch their eye that maybe hasn't caught teacher's eyes so it's very much on the day over to what the judges decide catches their eye. You're making me think of uh, the words of Jessie Marion King, one of the Glasgow girls, a wonderful illustrator, artist, designer and, and also she was one of the judges and, um, and prize giving presenters uh, for the school's art competition back in the 1930s. And she would give lectures around local groups, uh, women's groups in particular, and say, nobody can't draw. If you read a book and you start imagining, you start visualizing what those, um, what is the, the story that's being told in that book, then you just basically need to apply that and put it down. That basically, it's it's not about not being able to draw; it's about capturing your imagination. Mm -hmm. And I think it's 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 wonderful that certainly last year at last year's prize giving, it was just wonderful to see how the art competition captured the enthusiasm and imagination of the children. I just remember being so I I just remember going home feeling so overjoyed at the happiness and buzz that uh, the competition gave people. Proud parents, some asking the judges, um, those working in the art world, what do you need, what do my, you know, what, what's the best route for my child to go to art college? It's just that this has been going on in Glasgow for 119 years mm -hmm. is truly remarkable. And it's down to y yourselves, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and those who did this work for you because it's a massive job but it's so worthwhile. And, and in a way, what's nice is really, it's very similar to how it was in 1904. Oh, and it's quite unusual for something to actually remain the same. And when you see the 
the background to why it was set up and what the importance of children drawing from observation, children taking advantage of the wealth of culture that's in their city, that's actually still really important to this day, probably even more important than we live very fast-paced lives where young people are spending a lot of time engaging with digital and engaging on screens for them to come away from that and be actually in an environment and drawing from life is as important as it's ever been so hopefully we'll still be going for another 120 years <laughs> Carolyn and thank you very much it's been wonderful to talk to you that's all we have time for in this episode of the Glass Museums podcast if you've enjoyed and want to hear more you can find more episodes available on Apple Spotify Google Podcasts and on SoundCloud just search for Glass Museums. Until next time, thanks for listening.